You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Three people got baptized this morning. One almost got baptized. We almost had four. Three got baptized. Isn't God good? We thank God for what he's doing. Amen. The Holy Ghost was poured out and refreshed and renewed in the tank. I thank God for that. Amen. What a wonderful time we've had so far. Amen. In the house of the Lord uh, today. Amen. I want to take a moment and uh, just so everyone is aware. Of course, we have lots of things that are happening with people in our church on a continual basis but at this past general conference uh, brother and sister Munn brother and sister Darren Munn were approved them and their family uh, to go to uh, missions as an associate missionary and they will be going to the country of Burundi and uh, we're so excited about that and we're pleased about that and uh, obviously we'll be representing our church representing our district but they have a heart for missions and they've been to Africa before, uh, but this will be East Central Africa that they'll be going to, the country of Burundi. And um, in the next few weeks, uh, we will be having them um, give us their burden and share that burden with us. And we're looking forward to that. Would you start praying for the brother and sister Mun that they'll be able to raise their budget, amen, and be able to accomplish that by going to different churches, amen, around our district and beyond, that God will give them favor. And God will open up the windows of heaven and supply their need. Would you do that? Amen. Why don't you do that with me right now? God, I thank you for your mighty power and spirit. God, I thank you, Lord, for brother and sister Munn, their passion and their burden for missions. God, this is a missions, Lord, uh, Lord, center church. And I thank you, God. Hallelujah, Lord, that you've called them to this country, a Burundi, God, and you're going to give them favor, I pray, God, as they go to raise their budget around uh, our district and beyond. I pray that the power, God, of your wonderful spirit would be manifested, God, as they share their burden. And God, you would supply their need, God, that is needed for them to go and their family. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We just wanted to celebrate that. Uh, That just happened at General Conference, that the approval was given. And uh, we thank the Lord for that opportunity. We're blessed tonight. Of course, this is Youth Emphasis. And we have a great, great team in our in our church that lead our youth and brother and sister mills and their team and i thank god for it and tonight uh, brother green's going to come and minister the word of the lord amen i'm so proud of this young man right here god's got his hand on his life amen i thank god for brother green minister to us lord uh, minister to us tonight brother green what the lord has laid on your heart amen There's, a, there's such a sweet presence of the Lord in this place here tonight. Not only that, but the gift of faith is in this place tonight. Victory's in this place tonight. I feel that strongly. And I'm just wondering before the word is even ministered to that you would lift up your hands and claim your victory right now. Could we do that right now? Lord Jesus, 
We claim our victory here tonight, God, that no matter what we're facing right now, God, we know that you are here, that you are our healer, you are our redeemer, you are our deliverer, Lord. And that doesn't matter what we're facing right now, God, but we're going to grab a hold of you, God. And we know that we are victorious in you, Lord Jesus, here tonight. Have your way in this place, Lord. Let your word minister to us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want to do is give honor to, to my pastor, Pastor and Sister Carter. I love and appreciate you guys and your leadership, not only for this church, but for this district. And I couldn't imagine having another pastor. <laughs> I really couldn't, so you can't go anywhere. <laughs> Amen. And I give honor to the Robertsons and their leadership, and they are mentors of ours, and we love and appreciate them so much and our friendship. And brother and sister Mills, who are uh, our youth pastors, they're not here tonight. They're on a much-needed break for their anniversary. We're so thankful for their leadership as well. Um, Jay and I have been working under them for the last four years now, and we wouldn't trade it for the world. And I give honor to the Carols as well. They've been teammates of ours for the last three years. They are our brother and our sister, and I would go to work for them. Yeah. So honored for our friendship and working together with you guys. And to our volunteers in the youth department, it would not be possible to do the things that we do if it wasn't for you. So we thank you for the time that you take out to dedicate yourselves to the youth department for our young people and our hyphen. And of course, I give honor to the rest of the staff here at the church. Thank you for your sacrifice and what you do for the kingdom of God. And I give honor to you, church. This, we are a blessed church. We really are a blessed church. And I thank God for Mission Point. And of course, I give honor to my amazing wife. I most certainly couldn't do what I do without her. God has placed her in my life for a reason. And I'm so honored and thankful to have her. And of course, my amazing girls and my family who are just so supportive and my girls who make life very interesting. <laughs> Love them very much. If you have your Bibles, if we could stand for the reading of the word. I'm going to turn your attention to Genesis, Genesis chapter 32. Thank you, Sister Cassandra Powell. We have been so blessed by having you here this weekend and your ministry. We hope to have you back. Amen. And thank you for the music. Thank you so much. Genesis chapter 32. I'm going to read verses 22 to 28. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version throughout this sermon. And the Bible says, And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me, unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. 
And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. If you could set your Bibles down and if we could just lift up our hands and enter into the presence of the Lord before he ministers his word. Lord Jesus, we're so honored and privileged, Lord, to be in your house tonight. We are so honored and privileged to be in your presence, God. And we pray that you would have your way, God, in this place here tonight. I believe you have a word, God, for this, for this congregation here tonight. And Lord, Lord, we open our hearts, God, and we prepare ourselves for the word that you want ministered here tonight. And we pray that you would have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated tonight. Any men out there like to wrestle? Any memories when you were a child and, you know, you grew up with brothers and maybe in your father and you, you know, had some wrestling matches from time to time? I can tell you for myself growing up, some of my earliest fondest memories was wrestling with my little brother, wrestling with my father, having a great time. And, and obviously there were some bumps and bruises along the way, but that, that's all part of the part of the wrestling. Now, growing up, I always thought, you know, when I have kids, I can't wait to pass on the tradition and wrestle with my children. And fast forward many years later, I know what, I know what you guys are thinking. You know, you have two little girls, and surely you're not going to wrestle with your two, two-and-a-half-year-old girls. Well, I got news for you. <laughs> Daddy still wrestles with his little girls, but daddy's a little more gentle. Daddy's very gentle with his girls. The girls love it. They have a great time. And of course, dad's always victorious, right? I mean, look at the size of me compared to little them. But Taylor discovered the secret to being victory over, victorious over her dad. She discovered the secret weapon. Now, Julia hasn't quite gotten there yet. She hasn't quite discovered the secret, but I'm sure as time passes, she'll want to mimic her sister, just like everything else, and want to be victory over her dad as well. So when Taylor and I, we begin to lock horns, my, my hands on her shoulders, her hands on my shoulders, and we're just like looking each other in the eyes, a little grin on her face. She's got that little mischievous grin like, Dad, I'm going to get you. I know what I'm going to do next, but you don't, you're not going to see it coming. Next thing I know, she has both her hands on my shirt, gripped as hard as she could, and then she props her feet up on my chest, pulling me down. And I tell you, church, there's not a pry bar, there's not a power tool that is able to take her hands off of me to release her from that grip. And so I have no choice but to, as I want to slam her on the bed or the couch, I have no choice but to go down with her. And she, she claims the victory. Tonight my text is, victory is in the grip. That's how she was able to receive her victory, was by grabbing a hold. Now back to this wrestling match in Genesis between this man named Jacob and this unknown man. Now who is this man Jacob and what, 
what led him to have in this wrestling match? Well, the Bible tells us that Jacob, he was born of Rebekah and Isaac. Just a little side note, Isaac was 60 years old when he had Jacob and Esau. Okay. I'm 31. I have a set of twins. But I could not imagine being 60 years old, having one child, but also having a set of twins at 60 years old. Couldn't imagine. Lord have mercy. (laughs) But shortly before the birth of Jacob, he was engaged in a struggle while yet in his mother's womb with his twin brother Esau. And the Lord gave this prophecy to Rebekah in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So this was given to Rebekah, but nowhere in Genesis does it say that Isaac knew of this. Now when the time came for Rebekah to give birth, the firstborn Esau came out covered with red hair, as if he were wearing a hairy garment. I thank the Lord one of my girls did not come out like Esau. (laughs) And his heel was grasped by the hand of Jacob, the secondborn. Now Esau in the Hebrew, it, it simply means hairy. But Jacob in the Hebrew means supplanter, heel catcher. In other words, trickster, deceiver. This was the identity that was given to Jacob at birth. And you know, I know there's some of us in this room that we weren't born in the best of circumstance in our life. That you may have been born in a home that was dysfunctional. Okay, not, it's not something that you asked for. You may have born in a home of alcoholics, drug addicts, maybe in not the best neighborhood. Growing up, being in school, you may not have, you might have had people saying, well, you're from this neighborhood, so you must be this kind of person. You were given an identity. But then as you get older, you made up your mind. You made up your mind that I'm not going to be identified like that anymore. But I am going to serve God. And I'm going to give my life over to Him. And then you realize your identity is in Him. It's not, it's, your identity is not in your circumstances or for what you were in your past. Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Someone say new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So when you give your life to God, your identity is now in Christ. Anything that you faced in your previous life, whatever thing you divulged in, that is gone. That has passed away. That's not who you are anymore. You are now identified in Christ Jesus. All things are brand new. Amen. Now, the boys displayed very different natures as they grew and matured. The Bible says that Esau, he was a a cunning hunter. He was a man of the field. He was a man's quote-unquote, man's man. And this was obviously very pleasing to his father, Isaac. And so Esau was favored by his father. The Bible says Jacob was a simple man. He liked to dwell in the tents. He liked to stay at home with his mom. And so he, she, or he was highly favored by his mother. 
He liked to stay at home. He liked to cook, clean, do dishes, probably do some laundry. I'm sure there's some wives here that are like, I'll take one of those. Now, as we begin to read through Genesis, we, we start to get a clear picture on the different natures of both brothers. It begins to get a lot clearer when Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of lentils. Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 to 34. It says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright to, of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And later on, Jacob deceives his way to receiving a blessing from his father. See, in tradition, the oldest was supposed to receive the inheritance and the blessing. But Rebekah knew of the prophecy that was given, that the older was actually going to serve the younger. Now, I'm not going to get, go into detail with the story for the sake of time, but to sum it all up, Jacob dressed like Esau. He put on goat skins to appear hairy like his, like his younger brother. Um, at this time, Isaac was blind, so he couldn't see. All he could do was hear, smell, and taste, etc. So Isaac, thinking that this was Esau, received the blessing that was supposed to be for Esau. Genesis chapter 27, verses 27 to 29. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing, and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who blessed you. This deception angered Esau and he was determined to kill Jacob in time. And Rebekah asked Jacob to go to her brother's home to flee from Esau. So gathering what we just read, it becomes clear that Jacob had a desire for the things that weren't quite of this world. He longed for something more. He desired for the spiritual things, for the things of God. While Esau's desire were the things on earth. He was a man of the field. He didn't care about his birthright. His focus was on temporal things of the world. And while Jacob wasn't a perfect man, and he didn't always do things the right way, there's a spiritual hunger that resonated inside of him. And before we came to Christ, we may not have done everything the right way. We may have lived in sin, but there was a desire before we came to God. And God took us on a journey. I think of my journey myself when, before I came to God, it was a long one. It didn't happen overnight. 
But there was this desire that I had. I got tired of living and doing the things of the world and doing the things that I was doing. I hungered for something more. And it's that hunger that took me on that journey. And God just began to, to speak into my life day after day. And eventually I just said, okay, God, I surrender, I surrender my life to you. Now, Jacob would continue to have struggles after he left his home. The struggles didn't end there. But it culminated in a wrestling match that would change his life and identity forever. So let's go back to Genesis 32, the opening verse. And he rose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Now, up to this point, he, he now has a family of his own. He has two female servants. He has 11 sons. And the Bible says that he sent them over the brook and he sent over what he had. See, Jacob left everyone and everything he had to fight this battle. Although sometimes we need the support of one another as a church body, especially during struggles and times of need, there are times that we need to engage in spiritual warfare. We need to enter our prayer closet with God alone. There are some times that we need to fight battles by ourselves. And in this case, was no different. And notice he... He took all of his baggage and he just left it behind. We also need to make sure that we are free of any baggage and weight that may be weighing us down. Because church, we are in, this, we are in a day and age where we're, we're carrying way too much on our shoulders. We are carrying way too much baggage on our backs. And it's hard to engage in warfare when you're, when you're so weighted down with things on your shoulders. God wants us to remove all that and place it at the front of his feet. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 to 7 says this, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care. Someone say all. All your care upon him, for he cares for you. It starts by humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. See, these aren't our battles. The battle is the Lord's. We need to humble ourselves under the hand of God, cast all of her cares at his feet, because he doesn't want those things weighing on you. Those, the battle is his. It is not ours to take on. We are to cast our cares upon him. It's the Lord that is going to come back for us and fight our battles. And he cares for you. He cares about everything that you're going through. Even when you think it's not a big deal, it's just a small thing, and God has bigger things to worry about, that's not true. He cares about everything that you're facing right now. Nothing is too big or too small for God to care about. Continue on, says in verse 25, Verse 24, then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. My goodness, that's a long wrestling match. Could not imagine. Now, who is this man? Well, Genesis doesn't exactly tell us the identity of this man, but 
Hosea chapter 12, verse 4 says that the man that Jacob wrestled with was an angel. Notice, Jacob did not wrestle with the enemy. He didn't wrestle against any demonic forces. He wrestled with an angel of God. His struggle was with the things of God. It wasn't with the enemy. Sometimes we give the enemy way too much credit for our circumstances. Most of the time, we're simply battling with our own flesh. Or circumstances come in our life that God allowed to happen for maybe a specific reason or purpose. Jesus said this in John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you. Here he's talking to his disciples. That in me you may have peace. See, our peace doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from anything in the world. Our peace comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. He says, in the world you will have tribulation. He didn't say if you'll have tribulation. When you have tribulation. But. This is a good but. Okay, But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's already overcome the world. Amen? He has already overcome the world. So there's no need to fear that whatever you're facing right now, he's already overcome it. You just have to grab a hold of him and trust him. Amen? Amen. Now, verse 25 says, now when he saw that he didn't prevail against him, okay? The angel saw that he couldn't prevail against Jacob. He touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, even though Jacob's hip was out of joint, he still didn't give up. Now, something tells me this angel had a little bit of wrestling experience because in wrestling, specifically amateur wrestling, Everything stems from the hips. Your stanima, everything you do all stems from your hip action. So he thought, okay, I'm going to take out his hips and then this wrestling match is over. But guess what? That's not what happened. Jacob said, I'm just going to grab a hold. I'm going to grab a hold of the things of God. And I am not going to let go until I receive my victory. Jacob was finally able to receive that victory. And all he had to do was grab a hold of the angel, and he did not let go. When you make it up in your mind that no matter what comes your way, doesn't matter what circumstance you're facing, if you grab a hold to the things of God, there is nothing that can take you out. All you simply have to do is grab a hold. We're not fighting these battles, church. You grab a hold of God, and he will make a way for you. He will give you the victory. John chapter 10, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone, anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You see, God already has a hold of you. All you have to do is grab a hold of Him. And there's nothing on this earth 
There's no devil in hell that could snatch you out of his hand because you are a child of God. Shortly after I came to the Lord about seven years ago, I had a question for God. And you know it's okay to ask God questions. As long as we're not going in there demanding, okay? But it's okay to ask God a question. And he doesn't always give you the answer that you want. Sometimes he may not even give you an answer, but he may make a statement. And with me, he simply made a statement. And I asked him, I said, God, why do so many people leave the church and stop serving you? Why do so many people leave? Because I just came from the world, okay? I've lived on both sides. And when I finally gave my life to God, I said, this is exactly what I was looking for. So I couldn't imagine in my right, in my my wildest dreams why people would leave this and leave the presence of God. So I said, God, why, are, why do so many people leave? And he didn't give me a direct answer. He just said this. That my hand is on them, but, son, they are given the choice whether they want to have their hand on me. It is up to you whether you want to grab a hold of me, but I have my hand upon them. And I, I had to think about that. And as I was thinking about that, God led me to the story of Jonah. Jonah had the call of God in his life. He was commissioned by God to, to go to Nineveh to preach repentance. And the Bible says that Jonah fled from the presence of God. But if we look through the story, it's quite obvious that God was still there. You see, Jonah left the presence of God, but the presence of God did not leave Jonah. Now, Jonah had made a mistake. He got himself wrapped up in a circumstance. He ended up getting swallowed by a fish. He was in a deep, dark trial, figuratively and literally. But when he was in this circumstance, in this trial, he looked up. And he decided to grab a hold of a God that was already there waiting. God was already there waiting just for him to grab a hold of him. And once he did that, that's when he received his victory and he received his miracle. I look at it this way. You are a child of God and you have a heavenly father. Think of it as, as a father picking up their child, looking them in the face. Smiling. And that child is looking up at his dad. But then the child decides to grab a hold, wrap his arms around his father's neck, 
begins to lay his head on, it, on his chest. And then you see a peace come over that child's face. That is exactly what it's like when your heavenly father has a hold of you. You just have to grab a hold of him. And you will receive your victory. Remember the victory, it's in the grip. You just have to grab a hold to the things of God. And there's nothing that can pry you out of your father's hand. Now, when Jacob was finally victorious, he was now no longer identified as a deceiver. He was no longer a supplanter, a heel grabber. He was now Israel, which means a prince of God. But Israel not only means prince of God, it also means struggling with God. Just because we serve God does not mean we're not going to still have struggles. But the key to being victorious is to grab a hold to the things of God. You just got to make it up your mind say, God, no matter what comes my way, it doesn't matter what my circumstance is, that I am going to grab a hold of you. That I'm going to grab a hold to the things of God and I am, I'm going to pray fervently. I'm going to seek your face and I'm going to fast. It does not matter what comes my way. I am going to grab a hold to the things of God. Music, you can come back. Church, that's the key. He's already ha- he already has his hand upon you. But there's something powerful that when he has a hold of you and you grab a hold of him, there's something powerful with that. There's nothing in this world that can take you out. You just have to grab a hold. And I know there's some people in this room that you've been facing a struggle. You've been in a circumstance. And the thought has crossed your mind that if I just walk away, But I have been sent a word for this church and for somebody in this place tonight. That you are going through a struggle and a circumstance, but he wants you to grab a hold. And once you make it up in your mind that no matter what happens, and I'm going to grab a hold to the things of God, you will receive your victory. You will receive your victory. As I said, church, there's victory in this place tonight. Mm. There's already someone in this room, you've already decided that I'm going I'm to grab a hold of the things of God, that it doesn't matter what I'm facing right now. I know if I grab a hold of the things of God that everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. I think of the woman with the issue of blood in the New Testament. She had an issue of blood for many years. Doctors couldn't help her. Nothing could. But then she seen Jesus from afar. There was a crowd. There was obstacles in her way. But then she said, 
just grab a hold of his garment. Hmm. So she wrestled her way through the crowd. She wrestled her way and said, I'm going to grab a hold. And the Bible says when she grabbed a hold of the hem of his garment, that is when she received her victory. That is when she was healed. If we could all stand. I don't want to take up any more time with what God wants to do here tonight. But God has sent me here to tell you once again, if you're facing a struggle or a circumstance, if you feel like you're wrestling with some things, the key to your victory is to grab a hold of the things of God. I open these altars to anybody. If you've made up in your mind that you're going to continue to serve God and that it doesn't matter what circumstance comes my way, that no matter what, I am going to grab a hold of the things of God and I'm going to serve Him with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. So if you can make your way to this altar, if you can reach out to Him, begin to grab a hold to the things of God. Your victory is here. You just have to grab a hold of Him right now. Grab a hold to the things of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.